0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, Episode 375. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 375. In the past week, I've had several rewarding encounters with flower farmers, floral designers, and avid flower enthusiasts. Who are eager for inspiration and encouragement about our vibrant Slow Flowers movement and what it means for their own relationships with flowers. Each new connection is encouraging and inspiring. While well, we have a long way to go in achieving our goal of putting local flowers on the top of customers' wish lists, And in supporting florists who want local and seasonal choices in the floral marketplace, it's notable to see how much has changed since the first week of the Slow Flowers podcast back in 2014. Late last week, I was joined by more than 40 highly motivated members of the Whatcom Horticultural Society in Bellingham, Washington, where on November 8th, I led a floral design workshop using only Pacific Northwest grown botanicals thank you to everyone who helped make that experience a huge success for the Horticultural Society, which used the evening as a members-only bonus event. I'm especially grateful to the staff and flower farmers of the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, all of whom went the extra mile to help me source 1,000 stems of flowers for the workshop. As I said, it took place on November 8th. The threat of frost was upon us, and at times as the date approached, I panicked about the availability of fresh seasonal and local floral options. Well, those talented flower farmers really came through with dozens and dozens of dahlias, mums, chocolate cosmos, orange ilex, roses, and spray roses, as well as lilies, a sweet haul. Thanks to Crowley House Flower Farm, Charles Little and Company, Sunshine Farm, Peter Court Roses, Everyday Flowers, and others with the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. You can check out the photos from our workshop at today's show notes for episode 375 at com. And from Bellingham, I headed to Spokane in Eastern Washington on Sunday, November 11th, where I joined two smart and talented women to be part of a panel at the annual Tilth Conference. The Tilth Alliance is a coalition of people committed to sustainable farming in Washington and to building an ecologically sound economically viable and socially equitable food system. I'm so pleased that the conference planners recognize floral agriculture as an important facet of our state's larger farming community. And they added a panel presentation called Marketing Your Local Fresh Cut Flowers, Consumer Research and Industry Trends to their program. The panel was led by Katie Lind of Washington State Department of Agriculture's Regional Markets Program. She shared highlights of phase one of a collaborative effort to advance Washington State Cut Flowers, which is a USDA specialty crop block grant being administered by WSDA and the Washington Farm Bureau. Slow Flowers is an industry stakeholder in that block grant. Katie presented the results of the grant's initial qualitative and quantitative consumer research, and she asked me to share highlights of the 2019 Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast as part of the presentation. You'll hear that entire report on January 2nd as part of our New Year's first Slow Flowers podcast episode. Katie also invited today's guest, Beth Mort, owner of Snapdragon Flower Farm in Spokane to join our panel. I'm so pleased that Beth was part of the panel because she brought real life experience and her personal flower farming story to the audience. After our presentation was over, Beth and I found a quiet corner of the conference facility to record a full episode so you can hear her story here on the Slow Flowers podcast. Beth was raised near Tumtum, Washington, just outside of Spokane, where she started gardening with her mother at an early age. She says, I love to learn and gain knowledge from each person, plant, and animal I meet. Well, as an undergraduate, Beth studied ecology and plant and mushroom taxonomy at the Evergreen State College, and followed this with a master's in urban and regional planning from Eastern Washington University. She holds a permaculture design certificate from the Bullocks Farm on Orcas Island. Snapdragon Flower Farm is located in South Spokane near Tower Mountain. In early 2017, Beth and her husband Mike moved to the land that they rent and lease from Heron Pond, which they call their parent farm. As the 2018 growing season comes to a close, Snapdragon Flower Farm wraps its second full year's in flowers. Bess says she is grateful not just to Heron Pond, but also to Urban Eden Farm, which graciously allowed her to test out growing flowers back in 2016. Beth is also owner of Zinnia Designs, a Spokane-based gardening, garden design company with a focus on food production and building healthy soil while creating beauty and resiliency in the landscape. She blends permaculture principles, long-standing food gardening concepts, and clients' vision to produce a dynamic design her clients can use to accomplish their goals. As you will hear in our conversation, operating Zinnia Designs allowed Beth to generate some income from her expertise while incubating her dream of establishing a flower farm in Spokane. She applies the same sustainable practices used in food gardening to her flower farming. Beth is part of a small group of flower folks in Spokane who recently started a Facebook group for inland flower farmers and florists. And I'll have a link on our show notes for you to find and follow them, along with photos and links to all of Snapdragon Flower Farm's social places. Right before we recorded this segment, we learned that Tilth Alliance had videotaped our panel presentation on local flowers in Washington. So I'm hoping to be able to post that video and share it later this week, which would also be at our show notes at deboraprinzing.com. I know you'll enjoy meeting Beth, so let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to introduce my guest, Beth Mort. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. And Beth is the owner of Snapdragon Flower Farm in Spokane, and we're in Spokane, Washington, and... We just had a fun panel today, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It was a really, really good panel, I think. So we presented with Katie Lind, and Katie is with the Washington State Department of Agriculture. And this was a presentation at the
1: Tilt Conference, which is what mostly organic farming, or I think pretty much organic farming. And I think I I might have this wrong, but I think Seattle and the Spokane chapter may have merged. Yes. Recently,
0: it's is like that a statewide true? thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we kind of get both sides of the cascades now.
0: Yeah. And so we talked about cut flower growing and some of the research that is going on as part of a specialty crop block grant that WSDA is doing with Washington Farm Bureau. And as it turns out, uh, we just found out that today's presentation, our panel with Katie was videotaped. So I'll try to get a hold of that video, share it in the show notes for today's episode, which you can find at deboraprinzing.com, along with um, a couple of the white papers that go with that. So, um, more, more to come on that. But I am just thrilled that uh, when Katie asked me, do you know a flower farmer in Spokane who we could get on this panel, I said, yes, there's a new farm that gro- joins Slow Flowers. And I was so excited because I would say that it, it's fair to say Spokane is kind of underrepresented in the flower in, cut flower industry, isn't it?
1: I think so. I think they're... Uh prior to the nineties, there were a lot of flower growing operations. And I'm, by saying a lot, I'm not sure exactly the number, but I know that it was a presence. Um, and so I think, um, in the nineties, you know, legislation policy happened that affected not just vegetables, but flower growing. And, uh, and so now there's been a resurgence. There's a, a couple, uh, farms that have been, uh, growing for Maybe ten to fifteen years in the area that are pretty seated and doing really well, really established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but there's a whole crop of us new guys, us green <laughs> green guys coming up. So,
0: well, uh, tell me about Snapdragon Flower Farm and how uh, just where you're located, how big is it,
1: what you grow. Give us a, give us a little snapshot of the Snapdragon. Okay, uh, so I am growing up in the South. Uh kind of South Hill area of Spokane uh, County. And I grow just off of the Palouse Highway. Mm. My I I say I'm on a parent farm because mm-hmm. I'm renting and leasing. My husband and I rent a house and lease our land from Heron Pond Farms, which used to do goat cheese. Um so they still raise large black hogs and are playing with some different vegetable growing. Um and uh still have some goats that are just a retirement community mm-hmm. of goats right now but
0: <laughs> I didn't know this existed yeah, uh, yeah it's a really
1: it's a wonderful for me because I get a lot of animal time
0: um, even <laughs> though I'm just growing flowers so the parent farm has uh enough acreage to lease to a uh, farm for another crop yeah okay. it's
1: great because they have a little old farmhouse uh, on the north end of their 20 it's about 20 acre parcel I think and they rent that house, and then um, it's just open field all around it. So I can um, grow you can, my flowers, and
0: you've got a, you've established fields there or rows there. Yeah, oh, okay.
1: yeah. So it's all it was all just in pasture land. So we um, and then prior to that, I think it's all been wheat uh, mm. growing in that area. And it and the area that we're growing in is kind of a typical. Um, Uh, development on farmland where it's kind of been broken up into 20 acre parcels. Mm -hmm. There's still wheat being grown and farmed in between those parcels, but um, there's just, you know, like single family home residents and not a lot of agricultural activity happening, at least in a long stretch. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's, but there's a few of us uh, different vegetable farmers and myself um, popping up in and around that area.
0: So you're taking advantage of that zoning that was originally agriculture, but it's sort of not, it's more famous. use. Yeah. 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 Um, when you say, uh, you're in Spokane County, how far outside of Spokane are you?
1: I'm probably, I'm probably right on the line of the county to the city, I think.
0: Oh, so you're pretty close to your market then. Yes. Okay. And
1: to the downtown area, which would be kind of our central Spokane area. I'm probably 10 minutes away on a good traffic day, 15 Mm-hmm. Um, tops mm-hmm. and so oh, I really easy. can get, yeah. I'm I'm I feel like I'm pretty close to yeah. anywhere I need to go.
0: And so you and Mike moved to this property in early 2017, you said, yes. And so prior to that, had you been growing flowers or food or on a different land? Or
1: I, uh, I originally let's see, in probably 2015, maybe or 2014, I did a little tiny vegetable CSA. Uh, A friend of mine in Airway Heights had a little uh, organic, a certified organic plot of land that she was growing vegetables on called My Square Garden. Mm. And so I did a little tiny vegetable CSA during that time. And then um, after I had done that, I was working for the Washington State Department of Ecology at that time. So after I left that job, I started a different small business. And then uh, when I was to kind of um, in the interim, I was, like, trying to figure out how I could grow flowers. And <laughs> so I was, like, do this we, little small And I business. haven't
0: asked you why you wanted to grow flowers yet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. Get back to that. Totally. So, so
0: you were, like, seeking the right, like, model to make this work, it sounds yes, like. Yes, yeah. and
1: trying to figure out, how, you know, a, an agency job is a wonderful thing, um, but it can really lock you in for a long time. And I thought, if I'm not ready to be locked in like that yet, how can I um, – make this jump right now and still bring in some income while I was trying to figure that Mm -hmm. part out. Mm -hmm. So, uh, then I, um, so I started my, a little small permaculture design business. And then during that time, another vegetable farm, urban Eden farm in Spokane, they, uh, just happened to be short of farm staff. And so I was able to work with them hmm. for a season and I had already been starting, I had all flower starts and I said, you know, I'm looking for a place to do some flowers. And they said, well, if you come and work with us, cause we really need help, you can grow your flowers wow. here. So
0: you like showed up with the starts? Yes. So oh it gosh. worked out
1: really well. Cause and it, have you started them like on your dining table or something? You know, I just, yeah. Jerry rigged our garage mm. for a, you know, kind of the typical with wires everywhere. Mm-hmm setup, you can imagine. I'm sure all the neighbors, who knows what they were thinking, but <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of flower starts. And so the first round I ever did went into urban Eden. How cool. Yeah, it was great. So I, and they have a, they did farmer's market. So we could, you know, as a way I could just, I could grow the flowers, they could test it out at the farmer's market. And I could try to just see who else was out there that would want to buy flowers, you know? So primarily everything went to our farmer's market, but I still got to meet other growers and some florists. And, um, so it was a really great way to mm-hmm. just add to what they were already doing. And so you did
0: that for a couple of years before you moved to the current property Just right now. one year. Oh, yeah. Wow. And
1: then after that year, I was like, okay, I'm just going to jump on this and wow. start my own gig wherever it lands. And then luckily this property and this, uh, rental house opened up. So,
0: well, you mentioned in your presentation at the panel today uh, that you have a lot of mentors and that a lot of them are vegetable growers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not necessarily flower growers. And yes. so you're, you're kind of going out and seeking knowledge and intel from people who've maybe had the scale of growing operation you want or the practices that you want, but mm-hmm. certainly not in flowers necessarily. Um, but it sounds like that's the, how the community is here. People really... Yes support each other.
1: They do. I, and there's just such knowledgeable vegetable farmers in our area, a, a small scale, um, vegetable farmers in our area that, um, and, and some that I have never even gotten a chance mm. to, uh, worm my way into their <laughs> world. And now I have a lot less time, but, <laughs> right. um, they're still on my list, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, um, there's, for succession planting and for, um, season extension and improving your soil, all these things that were really important to what I wanted to incorporate with what I'm doing. You know, I feel like they're seasoned vets. They, they've done more studying than I have with the, um, big names out there that Mm -hmm. I think are important and are so gracious and gave me so many tips and, um, just set me on the right path.
0: So those things that you mentioned are translatable then, and uh, in, in terms of borrowing ideas from food growers. Yes, and then, absolutely. And, and then there's are there other things that you really just had to figure out on your own that that they just wasn't their wasn't their language or their I, world.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think um, even even now, like when I tell people I grow cut flowers, there's kind of a blank stare. People don't really understand what I mean. And, you know, just in passing or when, you know, you're meeting new people that Mm. aren't connected to the agricultural world. And, uh, I realized that in, in one sense, it's, it's an easy way for me to say, um, it's just like a vegetable farm basically, because I'm not doing a lot of perennials right now. So Mm. I am putting a seed in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I have a season and, um, I sell my crop for that season and then it's kind of done in the winter for me for the most part, um, in terms of growing and harvesting. And then there's a, but the other component to that was that I, I didn't really have a lot of information on, um, on how a lot of these annuals grew in a production sense. Mm. So, you know, I, always put my name on for catalog seed catalogs and just scour over those for vegetable seeds. And, um, when I had time to do a lot more vegetable Mm -hmm. planting, uh, but, and the flower information that's in there is really good. Johnny's seeds certainly has caught the, um, you know, the hunger. Yes. And knows that we need that information. Mm -hmm. And so they've been an awesome resource and Florette of course too. And the other, um, other resources that are out there, um, but trying to figure out um, timing and succession planting, especially with those things uh, a few years ago even, was just, was really tricky. So I just kind of was like, well, I'll just see what happens. Kind of trial and error. Really. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so when, in your presentation, I was really impressed when somebody asked you, what is your earliest crop? And you said bulbs. Yeah. So you're planting, are you planting, what if you, tulips? Or?
1: Tulips and, and daffodils, um... And uh, some alliums. I think there's something else fun that I can't think of mm, right now. But mm-hmm. any of the fall planted bulbs. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the muscari. Um, uh, yeah, 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 and the what is that? There's some other pretty um, bell yeah. flowers. So anything Fritalaria? I can. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Any of those guys that I can. Um, fine and pack into my small space, uh, I'm getting those. And so you're planning in the fall for early spring. Yes. Okay. So they can handle
0: the cold winters. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. We used to be zone five in our area. And I think in 2012 we're bumped up to zone six, which I grew up here. So I still cannot, (laughs) I can't. Yep. I just can't. I can't do it. So I'm still thinking zone five, but I have seen the results of, I overwintered eucalyptus, which was my wow. piece, there is the stone. Oh my gosh, but yes. <laughs> And last year, it was last year, but this year I have a whole row that I'm trying to keep in row cover this year to For see, sure, yeah. yeah, to see yeah. if I can really overwinter it because I just... Eucalyptus here. Well, then you have a jump start. Yeah, yep, for sure. So so the bulbs to go in now. You harvest those in the
0: spring, and then when do you start? You mentioned anemone and ranunculus. That's pretty groovy. That's pretty a
1: value add. Yes, and um, you know it's funny because I I had planted some anemone just out uh, that have come back now for I I'm pretty sure that I'm going to see them again next year. So it would be a third season that they just come up with me never digging them up because I never get to them. But I do have one high tunnel. And so all of my anemone and ranunculus went in the high tunnel in about March or something. So right on the tail of my bulbs being done, those guys were starting to come up and I'm still learning. So my panic level during all these times is just like, Oh my God, nothing's (laughs) going to be up. And I have a CSA, you know? Yeah. So I'm just like, thank God something just grew.
0: (laughs) Well, you had mentioned that because you're leasing land that you haven't invested a lot in perennials, but it, it sounds like that, that could change and yeah. that would add an even more early spring crops. Absolutely. Over time.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's a funny thing because, um, I hope that we find our forever home and some property. Mm-hmm. Of course that would be wonderful, but we are in such a good situation with our landlords who are really good friends of ours and the location we are. And, um, I could see us being there a long time. And so there was just a point even this year where I thought I can sit and worry a lot about how much I'm not going to do, or I can just kind of Dive in, yeah, yeah. And with do like do like the peonies or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe maybe I don't do a, a huge as huge amount as I would want, but I'm still trying to find out what those tipping points are, you know. And I'm still building relationships with um, my florists and my larger community and other growers. And so, um, if I got some of those things in the ground, and in two to five years they were starting to bloom, you know, if it was you'd have a market to sell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit bit about your market, like who,
0: who, how do you divide up your pie and who are you selling to? I,
1: I have a CSA, uh, that I, I really enjoy. CSAs can be a lot of work, you know, once you're in them, but that initial bump of, um, finances is really wonderful. Yeah. And I, there are so many of my friends and then friends of friends who are now my friends. So having the CSA has been really great. I have a drop-off location uh, at a local cidery that um, is where most of my pickups are, but I do some deliveries. And then this year I did a farmer's market last year, but this year I took that out of the pie so I could really focus on my florists mm-hmm. and try to find out who's out there and wants local flowers. So this year I've I've done a lot more sales to florists, which has been awesome. Wow, that's yeah. awesome.
0: How, yeah. yeah, I mean, how are you, how are you? connecting with them. Was it just sort of like cold calling them?
1: Some of it was and and some uh, doesn't go, you know, some I can just tell that either they're not sure, or they haven't worked with a flower grower Mm -hmm. before. And that they're, I mean, I feel like their busy season can be all season, just like mine. It's hard to to get them to pause enough to pay attention. Yeah. 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 So I, I, you know, some I'll, I'll bug a couple times, you know, and then I feel like I'm bugging them and I'm just like, okay, uh, I'll try to come back later when it's not look like I'm trying to peddle my wares sort of,
0: on the other hand, if they start seeing your flowers on Instagram that their competitors are tagging, maybe they'll call. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I feel like there's that, that potential as well. So, um, and then the, the others, um, we, I, we started meeting at a florist, um, parking lot up in the way North in Spokane, pretty way North in Spokane. And, um, There's a grower in Bonners Ferry, Bee Haven Farm. Yeah, yeah. So they, this parking lot is on their route to drop off flowers. And so some other growers uh would go there and flowers or florists would come there to pick up from Bee Haven as well. And so just in a parking lot. Yeah, just in a random parking the, I mean it is a random parking lot where a special touch florist has her shop. Okay. It's kind of just you wouldn't know that her shop is there. It's kind of an industrial yeah. area. And so it's just this big parking lot. And so by the end of the season you know, we I had talked to another florist around the corner and we had a couple other growers show up. And so we just realized every week, you know, everybody's here and we're making sales and we get to hang out and laugh and talk about our farm issues wow. even. And so it was just, it was a good group. So roughly how many farmers and how many florists? There was probably three. So it's, I mean, it's very micro. So yeah. three solid florists that would... Um, pretty much always pick up mm-hmm. there. And then um, by the end, there was about three to four others that would, that were just starting to show up pretty regularly. And then, caught wind of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was starting to, and then I think, you know, it was like, oh, well, there's three of us that were... Uh, solid growers in right around Spokane and then Beehaven, which, I mean, she shows up with a van. It's like flower Christmas. Wow. The thing is loaded with stuff. And because she's got drops, but they always had something extra Mm -hmm. on the van, Mm -hmm. you know? And so even Mm -hmm. for us growers, if we have an event and I don't have, you know, a lot of greens or perennials, I wait for Abby to show up with the van so that I can, you know, pilfer as much greens as I need for my event. I love it
0: that there's this sort of matrix of like, you know, business to business, uh, farmer to farmer, farmer to florist, and maybe some other models mm-hmm. and not, and one could say you're all each other's competitors. Yeah. But that wasn't limiting or restricting your desire to be there. and um, Totally. See each other succeed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, um, you know, there's a, uh, another grower, she's, um, an urban farmer in bloom, right in spoke can, like right in the city. Um, and you know, she grows on her urban lot. And so, um, it's just another person that she needs to go. So she'd go to the wholesaler, um, like the rest of us when we have events. And it's like, you know, you want to be able to get a more central location because it's way up North. Right. So we're kind of looking at like, how can we get a more central location to accommodate right in the city someone like in bloom sure. and then outside of the city there's a couple other growers who I think would bring their product in and also need stuff for events so um So
0: your mind has been like um playing through a couple scenarios then Yeah because what you're a natural problem solver <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: I well that's a good question I think you just observe this 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 need Yeah, yeah, and I I do, I mean, I do feel like the more flowers, the more people know that there are local flowers being grown, the more they seek out their local flowers, and one of the things, um, we kind of all met up to have a conversation about this, and I wish I would have brought it for our presentation if we would have had more time, but... You know, I tried to find a map of Spokane, which isn't easy to do anymore, (laughs) thanks to Google Maps and whatever. But, you you know, you can see all the flower farms um, outskirting the entire county. So they're in, like, Medical Lake, Davenport. I'm way south. You've got um, some right in the city uh, and Airway Heights. And so you have this whole area. And I know there's florists around all of these farms, too. And people, you connect with people that... You end up working with all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel yeah. like there's enough people. Spokane County, at least in 2010, had like 450,000 people. So right. it's a big market. Yeah.
0: And I love that you had that map, uh, maybe AAA. That will be where, That's could... where I should have. <laughs> Good one. Ah. Th- th- my father used to be a big AAA map collector. But yeah, I could see where you, if you put the pin, a mm-hmm. pin in every spot, you'd really have an impressive, um, kind of clusters of, you know north, south, east, and west regions. Yeah. But if you bring everyone come into a central hub, maybe there'd, there'd just be a lot of wins.
1: Yeah, and and our I we have three wholesalers, two up and running, and one more wholesaler coming in, I think. So, which I think Spokane's had two to three wholesalers. That's sort of the at least what I understand oh, historically. The, yeah. yeah, and so um if and I. I feel like if there's an opportunity to collaborate with one of them, um, to host a, I don't, you know, there's, I look at Seattle's market and Portland's Mm -hmm. market and, um, have talked with a couple people that work with those markets to see how they're run and they seem pretty different. Yes. So if, you know, maybe there's, but it seems like they both are working.
0: So. And there are a lot of models and we've had a lot of guests on the podcast talking about either like the legal cooperative model mm-hmm. or the one person owns the wholesale hub and um, just court is like the master coordinator yeah. um, model. And then also some that are very informal kind of almost pop up, which is sort of what you guys have been operating on. Yeah. And yet um, you can improve on that because mm-hmm. you're recognizing that the location might be limiting participation. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe from both the farmers and the florists. Who Mm -hmm. knows? Um, Keep me posted on that. You don't even have a name yet, do you? No.
1: I think we we were caught. There's a Facebook page for anybody listening out there. Oh, good. Tell um, me what it is. It's uh, Inland Northwest Flower Growers, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And Tia at In Bloom set that up, so. Okay. You can inland. Find one of inland
0: those. is what Spokane
1: area is called, the Inland Empire, yes. right? Right. Yeah. So we we do not consider ourselves part of the Pacific Northwest. We are the <laughs> Inland Northwest, and we are east of the Cascades. Why they made arbitrary uh, borders for our state, we don't know. For every yeah. state, yeah. But uh, geographically, east of the Cascades and through Idaho, so you know Spokane is connected to Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene, and we kind of have this big sprawling. Multiple city things. It's almost like there's an artificial state
0: line through yes. the middle of it, yeah. right? Because that that population you cited probably includes some of those Idaho cities in terms of greater Spokane. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. So yeah. it's it's definitely its own hub, and you know we pull from like Montana, Idaho. It's kind of this mm-hmm. hub. Mm-hmm. So would you call this area um, high
0: desert or Ooh. Rocky Mountain, Upper Rocky Mountain, or is it too? That's more like down into. Or, uh, Utah it and Wyoming. It might
1: be, you know, there's a um, a plant, a native plant book um, for the the Pojar book for the West Side mm. uh, for all the plant nerds out there, and then there's the British Columbia, I think Inner Basin or something, oh, okay. so, which is deals with Canada through the east of the Cascades. So okay. that's where you are. I then. think yeah. So I think, but I've heard the Rockies like. We just kind of get lumped in yeah. all over, but but we do have bits and pieces of um, desert plants, like center of the state desert plants, and all this interesting.
0: Yeah, it's it's it is kind of an uh, an area that has been overlooked in horticulture and also in floriculture. Yes. So it's time for you to raise your hands and say, "Hey, we're here, and we grow, we grow a huge diversity of, of yeah. flowers."
1: Yes, I mean the potential. I feel like is is off the hook and. I mean, with the way we have distributors, we have wholesalers right here. So, if um, even if it the inland northwest out towards Montana wanted flowers that were grown pretty regionally, you know, I mean, I think the There's, potential is here, right? Because
0: they're Spokane-based. When we talk about wholesale businesses, they're like more uh, conventional or, or traditional wholesale. Yes, they're importing product from other countries, but they probably are starting to understand that local product is. In demand, I think so. If they could source from you all mm-hmm. and then drive a truck to a regular delivery in Montana, you're never going to take flowers over to Montana. So maybe there is a win-win with that.
1: Yeah. And I think some of them distribute to those areas, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I, again, am still learning about the ins and outs of that whole world and, um So I'm not not even sure what all the potential is out there. So you
0: had this meeting recently, Mm -hmm. and and how many people came?
1: I think there might have been a total of 15 of us. That's Uh, exciting. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of is, because I think there were more growers than I even knew were out there. And, um, the couple of florists who I feel like are our backbone that are always promoting local flowers. And, uh, it was a, it was very much a meet and greet. So it was a very chilled out having drinks end of the week. Mm -hmm. Um, but just trying to, you know, we had some butcher paper out where people could write their ideas and thoughts if they were a grower or if they were a florist or both. And so it's my job now to compile all those notes. So (laughs) I am, I am slacking, this is good to talk about it so I get on track. <laughs> well,
0: you've been getting ready for apparently you had uh, workshops you taught last weekend, yeah. you had a pres- presentation today, yeah. uh, a cooking class yeah. yesterday,
1: You're kind yeah. of a
0: Kind of a Renaissance woman. <laughs> oh yeah! Can we have your recipe that you taught yesterday? Oh, lefse, yes. Okay. Oh my okay. gosh! That, that's for a, all the Norwegians out there. Yes.
1: <laughs> it probably has nothing to do with flowers, but maybe it does. I don't know. Oh, you. Why not have lefse when you're enjoying your flowers? I agree. Okay, just just <laughs> say what it is because I've never heard of it before. Lefsa is a Norwegian flatbread. Okay. And um, it's. I think it's probably made around the holidays more often now, but it's so delicious. It has, uh, you can have it with savory or s- as a sweet treat, but, um, I, yeah. So it, my mom, we make it every year. And so now we have a little class up at Quillis Sasket Farm once a year. Okay. And you fun. taught that yesterday. Yes. Okay. It's yeah. I fun. want the
0: recipe. It's good. Okay. <laughs> it is good. So, um, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about the workshops that you have taught. And is that a, a component of uh, the future of Snapdragon Flower Farm? Do you think you'll keep doing that?
1: I think so. I I just did a couple field to vase is what I was calling it, where um, I invited just a small group of people or it was a paid workshop, So, yeah. um, but just a small group to come out to my farm. And we... Did maybe the first hour I think it was just a couple hour um, workshop but the first hour was going out in the field and just seeing how I have it all laid out and what I've experienced so far as a brand new, you know, I try to really make sure everyone knows I'm brand new at this. So <laughs> it is its own perspective. You try to manage
0: your expectations. You <laughs> yes. know what? But the yes. photos, you look at the photos and it's just a prolific, abundant, beautiful farm. Right,
1: But seeds want to grow. Absolutely. Okay. I think that's always my takeaway. Like these guys want to grow really bad. So if you. So let me facilitate yeah, that. Give them the basics. You too can do this. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, and then the second hour uh, we just would do basic bouquets or playing with flowers Mm -hmm. and what I liked about it is the first, I just did the two workshops, the first one, I actually had flower growers and people who were um, thinking about adding that to their existing farm or just going out doing straight flowers Mm -hmm. so it was exciting to have some farm minded people in the first workshop and then the second one was people just mostly wanted to play with flowers so we kind of did a little bit of a tour but most of the time They want their hands on your flowers. Yeah, Yeah. so it was fun um, to do that and my house was is really teeny but it worked out having a small group and yeah, yeah and so if you're doing fun. it
0: in i don't know in the summer maybe you can do a part of it outside too. yeah it,
1: that, that exactly yeah. so that's yeah we exactly got to go out and um, be out in the field were
0: they mainly your CSA Uh, subscribers who came and took the class or just, uh, other people you you
1: found you on online. They, I I think the first round, well, both rounds, um, I think I probably had one CSA person per group Mm, and I only mm. had, I think I had maybe eight people total. That's that's manageable. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect number. Um, And then the others were just people who follow me on Instagram or in the area or are on my newsletter mm-hmm. that I am terrible about sending out, but it's good to know that you're building it's a list. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, when I do it. So That's yeah, cool. and um, then through the sidery, uh, I did just a one bouquet making workshop um, there because they have a really nice back room that they uh, let me. Work and the
0: cidery is called? Liberty
1: Cider Works.
0: Okay. And they're a your drop-off point for yes. your CSAs. Their cider's not, delicious. Not too bad then,
1: huh? No, it's a wonderful, wonderful reason to drop flowers <laughs> off there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but having a partnership like that, especially someone with a venue, when you don't want to have people on your farm, you yes. know, it's more work, but it's also probably a win-win for what their goals are and what your goals are.
1: And if you are kind of a nervous teacher, do it somewhere where you can have a drink if you need to. It's like, you know, everyone
0: can be relaxed, it's chilled out. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's cool. It's good. Do you find that the workshops, I know this is just sort of your first season doing them, but do you find that you, uh, they're gonna be a profit center for you
1: or more of a marketing tool for you? I feel like um, the potential is there for both Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. I, um, some of, uh, I don't know if you've met, um, Whit flower farm near Salem, Oregon. Okay. Um, but yeah, I know who they are. Yeah. yeah. So uh, her workshops are always ones I really want to go mm-hmm. to. And, um, I feel like the potential, I feel like there's the scale of how much more I, I could do that's worth the value of yeah. whatever you're pricing it at, you right. know? And, um, and then, I do feel like people get a lot out of what you know what the time that they spend with me and that it is a good amount of money where yeah um because you're giving them an experience
0: yes and not just something very like I don't know Didactic, like where you're just teaching.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I want to make sure that they have their hands in the flowers, that they get a chance to harvest, that I can answer as many questions as I can and move resources to them if I don't know the answers. And um, it's a good way for me to let them know about other growers even in the area. And so I I do feel like... And and you get... The nice thing is it's... um, it's like a one day thing you're planning for and you can scale up or scale down mm-hmm. for the amount of money you might need to make yeah. to cover costs and then make a profit. Yeah. So. And then you're sending all these
0: local flower ambassadors out into the yes. marketplace. There's a sort of what we talked about on the panel today, Yeah, which is what we all need to do mm-hmm. is get those consumers thinking about flowers being local. Absolutely. That's yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I have so enjoyed meeting you face to face, and too. this it's has been, been really fun. Um, thanks for telling your story, and we'll make sure to share all your social places so people can find Snapdragon Flower Farm. Thank you. online. And um, Beth, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to make sure I include in this?
1: I can't <laughs> think of anything. I just hope that a long if, day. <laughs> yes, if anybody out there is in the area, my you know my intent um, in connecting. The group we have is is um, not meant to disclude anyone. Right. So it's just that I I don't know how to get a hold of you. So hopefully there's more people okay. coming, you know, that will find me and not be shy. Out. Yeah. yeah to, to so get if you're involved. hearing
0: if you're hearing this and, and you're within a stone's throw of spokane and you want to plug into what's happening with the inland flower growers, give reach out to Beth. Yeah. And yeah. she'll and not just you, you'll connect. Yeah, there's Everybody. a there's
1: a crew out there that That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is
0: so cool. Yeah. So is your season done?
1: Yeah. We're here on
0: November eleventh. You're done yes. harvesting. It's
1: done. We got our first snow pretty recently. Of course, I I'm way behind. I still haven't even pulled out all my dead plants and irrigation. Yeah. Nobody has. Yep. Yeah. I, so I just so yep, I'm way behind and it's kind of done and I'm okay with it. Well, I'll <laughs> we'll be there in spring.
0: I went to the Johnny's seeds booth here at the trade show. Mm -hmm. And I asked, uh, where do all these flowers come from? And you had brought a bunch of status bouquets and they were beautiful. So they said, yeah, these are local. They're from Snapdragon. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I do. I try to grow as many flowers as I can for drying Mm -hmm. and, um, make wreaths, uh, at the end of the year and did one wreath making class last weekend. That was so fun that I think I should just do more wreath making classes to move those out into yeah, the world yeah That's I so heard fun. about
0: I heard it was a really great workshop it from, was from fun. Katie yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's really like fun. I'm looking at everything as a wreath ingredient now yes exactly
1: what <laughs> so I want yeah. yes
0: well thank you so much and I'm I'm just really glad to introduce you to the bigger bigger flowers community and now I have got this uh, go-to girl in Spokane thank for you. when I want to come
1: back Ah, <laughs> oh, so great thank you Debra you so much
0: So much for joining me today and hearing about another flower farmer's inspiring story of turning her vision of sustainable flower farming into beautiful local flowers for her community. I want to encourage you to visit the Slow Flowers Summit website to learn more about the amazing program, people, and flowers that you'll engage with next summer at the third annual Slow Flowers Summit on July 1st and 2nd, 2019 in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's not too early to save the date and secure your seat. Slow Flowers members receive special discount pricing and everyone receives $100 off with the early bird rate on sale now through the end of the year. We have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the slow flowers movement as our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry. The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at debraprinsing.com. The Slow Flowers Podcast has been downloaded more than 380,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. Thank you to our Slow Flowers Podcast sponsors. They include Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at ArcticAlaskaPeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnniesseeds.com the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988. ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown Program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org and the Team Flower Conference, a professional floral event where flower lovers from all over the world gather for networking, learning, and celebration. It's a special time for the floral industry to come together. And whether you're a farmer, designer, wholesaler, or just love flowers, you're invited to attend as Team Flowers dreams big for the industry's future. Head to teamflower.org slowflowers to learn more about the 2019 conference in Waco, Texas. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com.